Welcome to Liberation Lab, where we invite the brightest minds in healthcare and technology to share their expertise and thought leadership with our aerial community. The 2021 Star Ratings Power Hour Bottom Line Impact and Strategies was recorded on June 30th, 2021. In this episode, Julie Barnes, JD, founder and principal of Maverick Health Policy, and Kimberly Swanson, Vice President of Quality and Clinical Integration at Network Health, share valuable insights on the new measures and waiting and ideas for optimizing your technology and implementing best practices to improve your member experience. So let me start by welcoming you all to Aerial Connect, um, our power hour on star ratings for bottom line impact and strategies for success. So I'm your host today. Uh, I'm Nancy Green. I'm a senior vice president at Adius, which is a med decision company. And today we're going to be discussing the changes that CMS has made to the star ratings and the, you know, what the shift in the weights of the different measurements mean to the Medicare Advantage programs or plans. And our focus today to be, uh, to be very specific is the star ratings for health plans rather than the hospitals. So we wanted to make that clear. And we've assembled a really, really great lineup of subject matter experts. I'll introduce in just a few minutes. So I thank you all for attending. Um, our attendees uh, ha- are all from all over the industry uh, and include actually many of our own clients. And so we're so appreciative of you joining us today. So I want to thank our partners. There we go. So Thomas Johnson, and, and um, I really appreciate all the work that these four have done um, in putting and helping us put this together. So Thomas Johnson from the Population Health Alliance, you'll be hearing from him. Julie Barnes, who's the founder of Maverick Health Policy. Kimberly Swanson, who's the VP of Quality and Clinical Integration at Network Health, and Debbie Hill, our own from um, a VP of Product Management at MedDecision. So first off, I'm gonna um, start this off uh, with Thomas um, from Population Health Alliance to share a few words about his organization. Thomas? Thanks, Nancy. And uh, on behalf of the Population Health Alliance, uh, I wanna thank our member, uh, MedDecision, for showing the best of effective population health management uh, during this session today. Um, We are the industry's only multi-stakeholder professional and trade association uh, uh, focused solely on population health management. Um, I do wanna mention uh, that we do have a uh, summit coming up uh, in October, October 26th and 27th in Washington, DC at the Top of the Hill Banquet Center. Um, And we just confirmed today uh, that Dan Mendelson, uh, CEO of Morgan Health, uh, a division of J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, will be a keynote speaker um, at that event. So we hope to, uh, to see you there. Um, and with that, uh, back to Nancy. So I want to introduce Julie Barnes. Julie is the healthcare policy expert and is the founder of and the principal of Maverick Health Policy. She advises organizations about federal government activities and policies that impact the healthcare system. Uh, counsels them on how to develop relationships with policymakers and influential advocacy, advocacy organizations. Debbie uh, is the Vice President of Product Management here at MedDecision. As a registered nurse, she's a clinical and product leader with firsthand experience in case and utilization management for payers serving Medicare lives and has deep expertise in developing products in alignment with these regulatory requirements. All right, so we have two experts. So first question is to Julie. Julie. Let's level set on this because it's, uh, it can get confusing. So level set on how the star ratings came out, 
what recent changes and how they're going to make their way and how they're calculated. Sure. Thanks so much, Nancy. Um, you know, the, the Medicare star ratings are, are one of those things that was part of the Affordable Care Act that nobody knows was part of the Affordable Care Act. So it's funny to think about, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court just two weeks ago decided to dismiss that legal challenge, the third one, um, to the ACA. Right. Uh, if they had decided to get rid of the ACA, there'd be no more star rating as we would have talked about something else. But the ACA survived. So we all need to continue to care deeply about star ratings. So I'll explain just three things to get us started. First, star ratings are just a scorecard uh, measuring how, how well plans perform in several categories, including the quality of care and customer service. Um, ratings range from one to five stars, with five being the highest, one being the lowest. In theory, the higher the score, the better the MA plan. So it helps people compare and choose high quality health plans. Second thing to know, CMS didn't offer plans of financial incentive to perform well until 2012, when they created uh, the bonus system, as you can see here on the on the slide. So not surprisingly, that bonus system made a big difference. And as plans improve their scores, which means they improved outcomes and process measures, enrollment in those plans increased. And the third thing to know about star ratings is that the, the data collection is the key to a high score, meaning that HEDIS and CAPS reporting really matters. And, and you'll hear more about that in a few minutes, but just a quick snapshot of the basics. HEDIS is a, a standardized set of performance measures on health issues. So cancer, smoking, heart disease, diabetes, asthma, that sort of thing. And CAPS is an annual survey which is used for rating a patient's healthcare experiences. So those surveys focus more on like healthcare quality and aspects of the healthcare experience. And as everybody can see um, in, in the on the timeline, in May 2020, CMS revised the star ratings to put greater weight on the CAP survey. So now consumer experience related metrics will determine a whopping 57% of overall star ratings by 2023. So health plans are gonna need to prepare uh, for when people get to share their true feelings about their health plans beginning in late 2021. You know, just as, as an aside, I heard a speaker from AHIP this morning on a, on a different event say that um, people are really actually quite happy with their health plans right now, which normally would be surprising, except during the pandemic, you know, there wasn't that much going on. So, it, it, you know, maybe that bodes well for all of this. But bottom line is some of those member experience measures um, are going to need to be <clears throat> really leaned into, like whether people got the care they needed, uh, got appointments quickly, what customer service was like, those types of questions. And then um, one more thing I wanted to mention, it's also on the timeline. In April of 2020, CMS released an interim final rule that suspended the requirements of plans need to submit HEDIS and CAPS data, basically to respond to the pandemic. So just like everything else, this was impacted by the pandemic too. So CMS was trying to, you know, just avoid creating incentives for plans to place cost considerations about patient safety. So uh, basically, uh, no one needed to submit that data to, and they were CMS is going to use 2021 star ratings um, 
using the prior year's CAPS and HEDIS data, along with some new metrics. Um, and you can find all of this on the on the CMS website. It's, it's pretty easy to find if you want to look up in the newsroom uh, what I'm talking about with this interim rule. But it did it did cause some consternation. Three health plans actually um, unsuccessfully but sued HHS uh, to overturn that decision uh, about about star ratings calculations. Um, but it's it's in place. So so that's that. So Julie, why did um, CMS make member experience such a large part of the calculation now? Why the change? Yeah, you know, it, it's just kind of um, continues with the, the worldview uh, that's just kind of going on now. There's uh, a, a marked interest in healthcare consumerism now, right? So CMS increased the weight of patient experience measures. Um, you know, so all that is, was there good access? You know, if you choose to leave a plan, what was there, what, how did that go? Appeals and grievances, call center stuff. Um, so really all of those things are gonna weigh so much more. Um, something like uh, the, the weight is like two times as much as it was. So it's, it's a lot. Um, and why did they do that? It really is, um, in keeping with this overall concept that if you empower people um, with their own information, they will be better consumers, they will take better care of their health. And, and this is basically to incentivize, incentivize health plans to help them with that. Frankly, in addition to all the other things um, that are going on at the same time, like the interoperability rules are effective tomorrow uh, on July 1st, or they're enforced um, tomorrow, supposedly. Um, on July 1st, which will help people download their own healthcare information, which will help them better understand their own healthcare and have conversations with doctors better. Um, so it's all just kind of this overall idea that um, CMS very much wanted to help improve the customer experience so that patients can be empowered to make better healthcare decisions. Perfect. Perfect. Debbie, I want to bring you into the conversation here. How do star ratings and the bonus payments actually work? Yeah, great question. So when you think about the, the star ratings and uh, the calculation, the, the star ratings are not necessarily a reflection of a one-year cycle. So if you think about 2021, and we'll assume that the performance year is, is this year, the data will be collected in 2022. The ratings will be based on the data in 2023 and the bonuses are paid out in 2024. So it's quite a range of, of time that the, the information is gathered. And so you'll see um, from the slide how it's not necessarily a one year cycle. Okay, so okay, that that's helpful. Um, I'm not sure everyone realizes how long that that process is. So with right. all these changes, right? So um, with the um, that Julie outlined, what's it mean really for the MA plans? Yeah, so let's dive into that. So with um, the the actions with respect to the the 2021 rating calculations, and and obviously uh, as Julie mentioned, the impact of the pandemic, CMS will use the scores from 2020 for 2021 ratings. Um, however, if the, the pandemic continues to prevent the agency from having some validated data um, or uh, results in, in, system, in uh, systemic data integrity uh, for any of the measures, CMS will replace 2019 data 
that was gathered in 2020, recall, um, with inequality issues due to COVID with the star ratings um, and score from 2020. So it gets a little complicated, but um, they are trying to take into account the, um, the implications of the pandemic on, uh, on 2020 and, and gathering the, the data from, uh, from 2019 and beyond. So what does, what does this really mean? You know, to your point, it can get very confusing. So what's the impact on the ratings for both consumers and the plans themselves? Do we have information or, or some, in, yeah, I think we did. Okay, good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you think about Medicare Advantage or, or Medicare cost plans, each plan is given an overall rating, as Julie mentioned, from one to five on how it performs in five main categories. So to keep those in mind, um, they are staying healthy. So preventive care, physical exams, flu shots, preventive screenings, um, all of those types of things. Um, and then chronic condition management. So how frequently are there members with um, chronic conditions um, being serviced? And then the last three are really interrelated. And um, Julie really uh, discussed the, and, and brought this up in terms of the member experience. So um, the member experience, so overall satisfaction with the health plan. Um, also member complaints. And so when you talk about appeals and grievances, um, complaints about service or, or why a member left the plan, um, if they had um, issues with access to service, and um, as members are getting more savvy, how uh, they are looking at how the performance of the plan was from one year to the next. Um, and then last kind of within this, this triad is the customer service. So looking at things like call centers, um, what are the services within the call centers? Do they have interpreter services, TTY for hearing impaired? Um, and then also along with this is processing any appeals and then how quickly and timely and efficiently are they enrolled? Um, there's uh, some, some differences between, um, between that and the Medicare uh, Part D standalone prescription drug plans and Medicare Advantage plans. And they're also evaluated on similar criteria um, in terms of member experience, member complaints, customer service, um, but then they're also evaluated on drug safety and drug pricing accu accuracy. So how are drugs uh, prescribed to members with certain conditions? Are they clinically safe, efficacious? Um, are there safer alternatives? And then looking at things like cost, is that readily available? Is it up to date on, on the websites and, and do members have access to that? So I think um, this last point on this slide is, is really important and I think it's critical. So, um, you know, because mm -hmm. of this, the plan's revenue could decline. So talk about that because if, if, if they don't change what they're doing um, around these quality measures, it could really affect, you know, especially if they're not focusing on, on what they should be focusing, they, their star ratings could drop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no doubt. So um, if you are thinking about, um, you know, what are those insights? Um, the overall plan performance um, is certainly key, um, but then you want to look at, at, at measure level performance. And so diving into the detail, um, you want to, to look at things like um, the, the comparative performance uh, year over year. And, and what are those strategies to improve future quality. Um, if you think about uh, consumers and the whole customer experience piece of this, 
consumers are getting a lot more technologically savvy. Uh And so they know how to um, look up this information. They have access to it um, readily on the CMS website on on Medicare.gov. And so so they're really using that information to make informed decisions. The, um, The really importantly, important point for health plans is these ratings really give a channel that that compel them to address and improve quality. So it's all about quality, improvement, um, and member satisfaction. Um, the, the Department of Health does reward, um, as Julie mentioned, high quality Medicare Advantage plans with bonuses and a lesser reduction in the share in their share of rebate dollars. So um, for payers of all sizes, there is a direct revenue impact. Um, and implications that that really um, should compel uh, plans to to pinpoint on those measures right. that will ensure top ratings um, for their plans. Great, thank you both for the insights that you've shared. I, I do want um, to take a moment and hear from the audience because we have a, a great um, audience uh, participation going on about the challenges. We're going to put up a poll: the challenges that you're facing in your star's journey, and we specifically put in other. Um, and put that in the chat if if the first four are not an area that you're um, focused on or challenges for you, please let us know what um, in the other. So um, we'll sit on here for a bit. And then, um, Sarah, if you can launch that poll. Looks like you have. Yeah, we've got about, I'd say about 15% of people have voted. So I would love to open this up for about another 30 seconds. Okay, perfect. And Deb, I'm so glad you brought up that that point about how people are so much more technically savvy now. It's yeah, so yeah. so true. The expectations, I think, are, are going to be a little scary for health plans who are not typically behaving like Amazon <laughs> or something right, like exactly. consumer facing all the time. Um, and and this is this is slightly terrifying uh, for folks in, in the health plan industry where they really have to interact at a high technical level. All right, Nancy, and I'm gonna go ahead and close out the poll and I will share the results on screen. Oh, perfect. Ah, there we go. And we did get a couple uh, people um, in the start. So measuring patient satisfaction is the largest. I don't think that that um, surprises us. What are your thoughts, Debbie and um, Julie on this? Yeah, it, it just kind of dovetails right with what I what I just said. Um, it, it's not at all. I mean, that really is is what I would think uh, would be the biggest pain point. Just having um, dealt with so many health plans on on the interoperability rules, which of course mandates plans to download their claims information and clinical data to third party apps, right? So you have to clean all that data. You have to make it pretty. You have to make it easy. You have to make it seamless, and then you have to be able to. Um, you know, dump it into a, a third-party app that you may or may not own as a health plan uh, so that people can can navigate their own um, health information. And if it doesn't go well, who does that reflect badly on? <laughs> you know? Right. So, right. Yeah. And, right. and I think, um, you know, measuring satisfaction is, is, is hard enough, but, and I think someone mentioned it in the chat, getting to that root cause. Yeah, I just um, saw so that. So how do you get to that root that. cause? So that you can affect change and improve that satisfaction. Yeah, there are a number of plans that are hiring, you know, patient experience um, folks and and really 
it's it's also you know care management you know but but it, there's a big sort of a you know almost like a group hug that needs to happen you know uh in in this space so that it's just a much friendlier um and simpler happier experience so it's tough stuff yeah, yeah. that one it's not easy it's not it's not okay um all right so i think we're good with this um we've gotten a couple let's see so you guys you guys have seen this in the chat implementing programs to improve the compliance with clinical star measures um we've talked about the drilling down finding out how to make significant improvements in the stars so just learning more about um that particular process okay so let's um so Debbie, because you, 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 both you and Julie have been in, in this for so long, Debbie, tell us um, some best practices some of these plans could consider to improve. Right, so uh, there's a number of best practices that, that plans can employ. And so, you know, we talked about technology. So the need for technology, um, you, you can't underscore that enough to maximize um, the member experiences, um, you know, as well as the other uh, factors that you're needing to evaluate your uh, your preventive care and your uh, long-term uh, chronic care management. Um, but as we as we start to look at the the additional weight that's put on the satisfaction um, using a, a technology-led solution that can um, standardize, uh, provide for consistency and rigor, um, those those types of things will have a direct bearing on the star ratings. Um, looking at reporting and trending to evaluate outcomes over time uh, will really help plans prepare for audits um, and, and hopefully those, those potential bonus payments in subsequent years. Perfect. The other thing that systems will help with, obviously, um, is you know, things like turnaround time, um, especially when you're looking at appeals and grievances and uh, reducing that administrative overhead, um, no doubt. Um, it, it also directly affects the training uh, reduction in hours and, and certainly in that, that manual effort of managing incidents. Um, from a best practice perspective, um, the, the other thing to look at is uh, the evaluation and improvement plan and, and development in those areas where a plan has challenges. And so if you look at what um, CMS has indicated uh, through, some of their audit, uh, through some of their audits that, that they see most frequently in missteps, um, those are some of the key things to focus on. Um, like um, failure to follow the, uh, the local coverage determinations, proper denial notices with those appeal, uh, appeal rights languages, um, misclassification of appeals versus grievances, uh, failure to effectuate uh, or overturn uh, overturns or approvals, um, looking at um, the inability to auto forward any adverse reconsideration um, in a timely manner to an IRE, um, and then, you know, just different things like that that are um, that are readily available from CMS and um, and, and making sure that you're, uh, you know, looking at those key areas that um, that are often missteps and it can help uh, plans stay abreast of the trends and and mitigate that risk for deficits in those areas. Thank you both so much, Julie and Debbie, for the insights. It's been extremely informative. I appreciate that so much. Um, they'll be uh, sticking around for Q&A later. So um, now I want to move to um, welcoming Kimberly Swanson from Network Health for the next section of the program. This is another bio I'm going to have to read. Uh, 
So Kimberly Swanson is the VP Quality and Clinical Integration at Network Health Plan. And um, she leads the Quality Health Integration, Member Wellness, Disease Management, Credentialing and Population Health Support Services Departments. <gasps> That's a big job, Kimberly. Um, one of her key responsibilities is the integration of quality, performance improvement, and member satisfaction initiatives across the health plan. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining and talking about your organization um, and what you've done uh, around the member experience and improving your ratings. Why don't you share just a little bit about Network Health for those who might not know who you are? Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. So Network Health is a local Wisconsin health plan. So um, we are unique in a lot of different ways. Uh, we are owned by two different provider systems, Ascension and Freighter Medical College of Wisconsin. Um, and so really, you know, we are all about giving back to our communities, you know, partnering with both our owners, our providers, our members, all that kind of, all of that to make sure that, you know, we are making sure that all of Wisconsin is, is healthy. So um, we have about 105 thousand members. We are in the ACA commercial and Medicare Advantage lines of business. And we have a long-standing history of really focusing on quality ratings. So on the Medicare side, we've been a 4.5 star rated plan five out of the last six years. Um, and then on the NCQA side of the house, both for commercial and Medicare, we're a 4.5 rated plan as well. So I'm uh, really happy to be here today and talk a little bit about our STARS and member experience strategy and then open to any questions that you all have. Perfect. Well, let's start with that. So what are some examples of what your organization um, does to create um, these satisfied members? So, you know, just as capitalizing on the poll and what Debbie and, and Julie were really talking about is, you know, watching that STARS math and really investing on that patient member experience. And so one of the things that we have really done over the last couple of years is expanded our data collection um, and are, you know, being a little bit more robust on our surveys. So we really are looking at segmentation our different members into um, different, different, uh, like for new members, we do a survey after a member enters our plan to understand what went well, what didn't do well, what can we do better in the onboarding uh, experience for them? Was that our materials easy to understand? Were they working with an agent? Was it, you know, how do we constantly improve? And, and we are really trying to look at different pulse surveys throughout the year so that we can really pivot our strategies. So when the actual CAT survey comes out, um, that we have already tried to, to, to modify that member perception. So new members and doing some welcome calls, as well as established members, you know, we do different proxy surveys there as well. Um, also, as customer service is so key to the star ratings, its own measure, and then being one of the biggest drivers to health plan satisfaction as well, we really, uh, we implemented and really looking and doing some deep dives into the members that call our, 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 our call center and understanding what their experience was, as we're really trying to focus as an organization on first call, one call resolution, for those members that are calling not only customer service, but really anybody in the organization, as we know that customer service expands much more than that department. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Uh, that first call or one call um, solution it is, is such an impact on the consumer experience. So um, how are you using Ariel uh, in, in this process um, with driving some of that member experience? 
Yeah, we, we use it in a couple different ways. And, um, you know, we, when I started here, I've been at Network Health since 2016, and that's really when we started our, our aerial journey here and really, you know, expanded our thinking on how we can use aerial globally for population health management versus just case management or UM. So what we've really tried to do is be very person centric. So making sure that all of the teams that are using Ariel have all of that data to be able to meet the member where they're at. So whether they're in a case management program or a disease management program, um, or you know maybe something else, we also use it for wellness. And then we've also developed our quality team is in Ariel. So they're mining a lot of the data and understanding what gaps our, our members have for star ratings, whether it's a clinical gap that we would need to talk through um, around diabetes or something like that, um, but also really trying to use Ariel to address the broader gaps about satisfaction, about you know, the health outcome survey, which are those really hard measures to imp impact. But you know, we use it as kind of you know, a one catch-all where all of the data can be. So when a member does engage with us, that case manager, that wellness coach, that pharmacist has all of the data on their screen to be able to make it a very person-centric call. So talking them about all of their needs at once. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but um, specifically how um, the revisions in the star ratings, how uh, that calculation, how has that changed how you, your organization actually um, is, is working around the member experience? A couple different ways. We actually yeah. established a whole department at Network Health around customer experience and hired a leader, a VP to come in and really look at that global experience. Um, so our members, our providers, our agents, our community, um, and really look at doing some of that root cause deep dives that everybody's talking about in terms of how we touch our members. I'm really getting a little bit more uh, creative and innovative on communication preferences and meeting the member where they're at. So we did a lot of letters in the past or phone calls, but uh, like Julie was saying, you got to get ahead of the time, right? Invest in technology and really understanding how our members want to be communicated to. So that's been a really big investment at Network Health. And then also on the other side, investing in our, what we call our clinical integration program, which is our value-based program where we're working with our owners and providers. Because so much of our quality ratings and reflection of our members' perception can be the care that they receive with their PCP, their primary care doctor, their specialists. And so, you know, part of our aligned incentive program, our risk-based contracting, has those mem measures that we are holding our providers accountable for, you know, satisfaction there, the care coordination, some of those measures. So again, kind of all goes back to data. We've been investing in a lot of collection of that data and then development of these strategies and then a lot of collaboration and partnership with our providers and our owners Again, kind of goes back to the communication preferences and member abrasion. If they're already reaching out to them, if they're working with them, if they're already sending a letter, how can we collaborate and look, look as one unified um, system, you know, reaching that member where they're at? So we, we've invested on both, you know, our provider side and internally. So um, I'm interested because we've talked about the impact of um, these ratings. How, how would that impact um, your organization if it was to decrease doesn't sound like yours is going to but I know you've you've uh, you've focused on that as well 
Well, everybody knows that's a, that's a real risk, you know, and, and to, to move and, and lose that quality bonus payment. So, you know, it, it, it's really top of mind for us because, and, you know, unfortunately we did have a drop a couple of years ago. And when we lose, you know, a local plan, our side, when we lose that, you know, we drop from 4.5 to a four, that quality bonus payment, it really does impact us. So um, in real ways and, and our, our members. So we aren't able to, uh, you know, offer premiums, lower premiums where we want to, when we look at supplemental benefits and, and what we can offer in terms of transportation meals, all of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, retention and satisfaction of our members. So not only does it really impact us, but being provider owned, that also impacts them as well and how competitive we can be in the market. Um, here, as you all know, that it's very competitive in STARS. And although members may not choose their Medicare Advantage plan based on a STAR rating, they think uh, really that quality bonus goes into so much and has so many downstream implications. So having that STAR rating and that quality bonus is such a reflection that you're doing everything while you're partnering with high quality providers that are getting good care, preventative services, managing chronic conditions, but you also have low complaints. So when you lose all of that and you're not able to make those investments that we all know that are needed every single year to maintain four, maintain 4.5, that quality bonus is very key to those strategies. Okay. So if you had one piece of advice for our audience um, about, you know, their efforts or what you've done to improve um, the star ratings um, using Ariel or or, uh, what would it be? I would say get creative. Don't just think of Ariel as a clinical platform um, used for you know certain specific things. It really needs to be a platform for all of your star strategies. Get other teams in it to see the data. Um, you know, for example, you know, like we were talking about before, those health outcomes questions. You know, member perception for satisfaction, member experience is huge. So when you're talking to a member and you have them on the phone. Be creative. Say, you know, if they're in a case management program, it's the third time that you've talked to them. Say, wow, you really sound so much healthier today, Mrs. Smith. Things like that to help impact their perception of how they're feeling, you know, how they're healthier, all of that kind of stuff. Um, You know, just be creative with it. Try to get your pharmacy team in there as well to impact those MTM measures. Um, another thing that we've really invested is using Ariel for supplemental data for HEDIS and STARS measures as well. It's not just documentation. How do you build it and use it in a way that you can use uh, supplemental data for the COA measures, for HRAs, for FUH measures? So, you know, it, it's a there's a it's a very robust platform that you can use in multiple STARS strategies. That's I think that that's key is, is the creativity. Uh, so, Kimberly, thank you so much for sharing how you're leaning in on improving the uh, member experience and what you've been doing in, uh, in your network and, and reinforcing forcing this. So I appreciate your time. So um, I want to turn now to audience questions. So if you have, uh, we've gotten a couple. Um, I want to uh, put it in the Q&A so that I can um, take a look at it. Uh, and then I can ask. So some of you have put them in chat. If you could put your questions in the Q&A, it helps me because there's quite a little bit of chat going on. Okay, so um, let's see. So um, this one's for Debbie. So Debbie, how much emphasis do you think consumers put on star ratings when they choose an MA plan? I think that's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. And, And as Kimberly said, you know, members may or may not choose based on a star rating, but um, 
but ultimately they are. So as she mentioned, making that person um, feel like they have a better perception of how they're being cared for, that people care. Um, you know, that I think that's important in, um, in selecting a health plan or choosing to stay um, with a health plan or, or uh, seek an alternative. I, I think with, um, with a lot of the marketing out there and, and plans that do have four and five ratings, they are emphasizing that and underscoring that in their literature. So I think that, um, that folks are getting a lot more uh, educated and, and savvy, as we mentioned, about what that means and, um, and, and what those ratings, uh, how, they, um, how they rank their, their particular plan um, in terms of quality and, um, you know, and ultimately their, their satisfaction. Okay, thank you. All right, so we have one that it's a little bit long, so I'm gonna see if I can shorten it. So how do you, and anyone on the panel can, can answer this, how do you assure quality checks of algorithms to close a case or a member call to ensure the right closure or resolution of a member's concern? In one health plan's audit, the regulators were focused on inconsistencies versus the magnitude of complaints and grievances. Does that make sense to the panelists? How would you answer that? I'm not sure if this is a Deb question, Debbie question, or Kimberly, has this come up for you? Assuring quality checks of the algorithms? Um, I don't know specifically or through through audits, but I guess in general, one of the things that we struggle with as we're trying to track one call resolution or first call resolution is how do you how do you do that? And how do you create standards across the organization? So what we've started at is we've used multiple systems for calls. It's not just coming in in one system. So you really need to start, I would say, at the, the basic to map out your phone tree, how calls are coming in. Um, and then and then you can really start doing your, your checks and your balances from there to make sure that the calls are being run in the same way and then you know, processed correctly, whether it's going to appeals and grievance or whatever. But um, I would say for at least for us, it was back to the basics and, and doing some of the mapping of, of understanding where these calls are coming in or, you know, it's not just calls, complaints um, and making sure that you have one global database and then having somebody from your quality department be part of that because they can help part, you know, as well as um classifying, making sure that they're in the the right budget, the buckets for NCQA as well as STARS or throw them out if they're not really a, a true CTM and you don't want them in your denominators and things like that. So okay. really looking through your different systems um, at, with a cross-functional team is what I would yeah, recommend. Yeah. Okay. So Debbie, I think this one would be for you. So we've had this asked a couple of times, where can one find the audit missteps that were stated? Was that you? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I can take that one. Yeah. So okay. um so when I, um, when I was doing some research, it came from kind of a compilation of a number of the consultants that are in the industry, such as Gartner, um, Accenture, and then um, a few of the, the private consulting agencies like Wipro and um, TCS. And so um, it was kind of a, a compilation of that. I can, I can put some of, those, um, some of those links into the chat if that would be helpful. I think that would be. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and in that, um, we have one that, can you share the latest CMS star ratings and bonus scale? So if we have that link, um, I don't- I, I can don't... put that out there as well. Okay, good. All right, yeah, so no problem. There, there is another question, and, and Kimberly, this might be yours, or, or um, it could be um, um, uh, any one of us, actually. So what kind of investments are health systems making in improving member experience 
um, as care is becoming um, more in this digital post-pandemic arena. So maybe Kimberly, from your point of view. Sure, I can I can start. Absolutely, we're investing in telehealth. So not, you know, increased hugely because of the pandemic. And we are really looking at some of the, the not only vendors, but also our, you know, our own PCPs and what they can do and trying to connect members there um, and making sure, you know, it's, it's across the board. So sometimes it's clinical telehealth measures or technology. Sometimes it's your communication preferences, like we're talking about text messaging, all that kind of stuff and meeting members where they're at. My caution is anytime that you're, you're investing in telehealth or these vendors or anything like that, that there's a lot of vendor oversight because yeah. it's a reflection of your health plan. So you want to make sure from the beginning that you have really strong SLAs. And so that member is getting the same experience that you'd feel comfortable with your health plan through a vendor or things like that, because we've just had some personal experiences where, where we are comfortable with the vendor, but they might be outsourcing their IT to a different firm and they might not have the same um, expectations we do in terms of local or whatever that is. So um, it's definitely worth investing in, just make sure that you know, you're not cutting corners and you're really um, staying true to your brand. Yeah, good advice. So Julie, this one's for you. So can you speak more about the lawsuit where the small number of health plans sued HHS to overturn the CMS decisions um, the way that they were calculated and how it affected the star ratings during the pandemic? Well, <clears throat> there's, there's not much to say. It was, it was dismissed. Um, so, so basically three health plans filed uh, the lawsuit and uh, uh, against uh, the secretary and, uh, and, and, and the federal agency filed a motion to dismiss. So not a lot was, was said, um, to discuss it further. It just, uh, they, they, they got anxious, um, about, you know, it just goes to show you just how important these star ratings are and how much money they're worth. Um, because it, it was worth, um, a moment for those folks that felt like they were on the cusp of improving their rating and then they felt like they couldn't do anything about it, which is kind of true. <laughs> um, so it's not great, but you know, the federal court very quickly said, you know, it, it is what it is. We're, we're yeah. all we're all in the same boat, kind okay. of thing. Um, so not not much to report substantively. It's just, just I just wanted to mention that it happened. Okay. All right. We do have a good question. Um, what metrics or measures um, in the home healthcare space are relevant for the star ratings? That is a little bit outside my wheelhouse. Okay. Um, Kimberly, do you have any experience in, in adding that to, I don't, I'm sorry that I don't know if the, there, there's not any specific that are just home-based, but the, there's star measures now that are accounting for capturing more of the data in the home. For example, controlling blood pressure, you can now use a device, you know, that goes to the cloud to get some of that data. So, um, maybe, you know, we, again, we can share more information offline, but, um, there's not specifically just at the home, but the measures are now allowing data, supplemental data that are captured um, in, in, in more of that home atmosphere, which is, is helping, again, in the investment of telehealth and the, the future state and star ratings. Okay, good. Um, yeah, uh, I'm glad we got that question. We do need to look at it. Okay, so last question I think that we have coming in um, is actually for, oh, there's, uh, so, um, Debbie just put the misstep information up on the chat. So this one, um, Kimberly, is for you. So thinking ahead, uh, 22 and beyond, where is Network Health going to focus to keep your star ratings up? 
Um, that's good. Good question. So you always have to think. I mean, twenty twenty two is is gone basically from the star ratings perspective, right? You're always having to think ahead. But we are going to continue to invest in our customer experience. Um, the satisfaction piece and our data strategies through these different pulse surveys through the year and really capturing that data and trying to pivot as well as really partnering with our providers on delivering a unique experience for patient experience as well. Um, so we are continuing to work with our owners and providers to really invest there. So, um, but that being said, I mean, you've got to invest in your satisfaction measures, but don't keep, no, don't take your eye off the ball in any of those clinical measures because you know, the math is real. You still need to do well on, you know, all 42, 43 measures. And so you, you know, continue. And the other thing that, you know, for those measures is really get creative around data. So, you know, that's another huge investment that we've made is how do you get as much data, supplemental data from the providers that you're using, your health exchanges in your state, things like that, um, to make sure that you are getting every last hit. All right. We have one I think we have one time for one more question. So this one, we hear that SSBCI can be used in addressing SDOH. How are plans planning to club, club the data from CBOs and other partners? Yeah, I, you know what? I'm not sure. I haven't done, I haven't had a whole lot of feedback um, on uh, okay. incorporating that. Um, Kimberly, I don't know if you have um, started to, to look at that um, within the plan. Um, I mean, we're always looking at social determinants of health and, and how that's going to impact our, our strategies and, and, you know, impact star ratings now through the CAI and HEDIS is indicating, you know, that they're moving towards that path too. Um, but we're just, I would say, at the beginning of, of the journey on that one. So I don't have a great, robust answer. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, well, I don't either. I, I haven't gotten a whole lot of feedback. I think a lot of people are, are, are just uh, um, taking a, a step into incorporating that. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, a good thing to, to keep our eye on. And I think right. COVID's really helped us uh, think about that and how we better collect social determinants of health, you know, with the health disparities. I know for us, we added some more specific questions through our aerial questionnaires to capture some of this. So before we were really focused on the basics, language, spoken at home, things like that, but social isolation, clearly boomed because of COVID and then right. how that impacts your care and how you need to, you know, your population health strategies. You can't just be reaching out to those who are already engaging or for clinical purposes. It's so much to do with those social, you know, who's living at home, doesn't have caregivers. So we really, you know, I think it starts again with developing some of that to capture the data and then investing there. Thank you for joining us today for Liberation Lab, hosted by MedDecision. Visit liberate.health and subscribe for regular industry news, views, and events.